Hey there, welcome to another episode of Fast Forward, a podcast from QSR Magazine. My name is Sam Okus. I'm the editor of QSR and the editorial director of Food News Media. Today, continuing on with our conversations with restaurant professionals about the unique ideas, tips, strategies, and perspectives on getting through the coronavirus pandemic. Today, sharing a conversation with Mike McFall. He is the co-CEO of Michigan-based coffee chain Big B Coffee, which has nearly 250 locations in 11 states. Uh, Mike joined the podcast to talk about a number of things, um, first of which is just the fact that Big B continues to grow and continues to sign franchise agreements even in the midst of the pandemic. I wanted to talk to him about that, uh, talking about how do you get the interest of potential franchisees? How do you sell them on your franchise? What are people looking for in a franchise? And and how are people even investing in franchises now? Um, But he also talked about how the existing franchisees at Big B have been a real asset in getting through this time. He talks about the power of those franchisees and the communication among them on getting Big B through with creative ideas and solutions that have really helped it not only survive this season, but also thrive. So Big B did see a drop in sales, Mike talks about here, uh, but eventually now they're seeing revenue up year over year. Um, Part of that through those creative ideas from franchisees. Part of that is also he talks about how Big B has successfully been able to capture a lot of Starbucks loyalists. Starbucks, of course, shut down all their cafes outside of drive-through locations and delivery, uh, which created an opportunity for Big B, which has a lot of drive-through locations, to capture those people who need coffee. Let's face it people are never going to give up on coffee. That's never going to be a luxury for people. That is always a necessity. And so he talks about how they're able to capture those coffee customers who had lost the Starbucks experience when Starbucks was forced to shut down so many of their cafes. Um, Mike also talks about how they've accelerated their tech platform and how they're pivoting to a new store prototype that is really prioritizing drive through This is the first time I've talked to somebody who is so invested in the coffee space, and I wanted to talk to Mike uh, because of that. Coffee is obviously such an American staple and such a necessity. And I was interested especially to talk about the fact that, you know, with so many people not going to work right now and working from home, how had that affected the coffee space? What did he envision for that moving forward? Um, So we get to that and all of these other things. It's a really interesting conversation with lots of practical ideas in this. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, Before I jump into that conversation with Mike, I wanted to ask a quick favor of you. We want to know a little bit more about you and your thoughts on this podcast so that we can better tailor this content to suit your needs. And and so that's why we've launched a podcast survey, which you can find at qsrmagazine.com slash fast forward. That's qsrmagazine.com slash fast forward, all one word. Uh, It's only going to take you a few minutes to answer the questions, but it's going to go a long way toward helping us be able to make this podcast better and more valuable to suit your needs. Uh, At the end of this month, at the end of June, we're going to do a drawing uh, for an Amazon gift card for everybody who does fill out this survey. And again, it's only going to take a few minutes to fill out that survey. So please jump onto qsrmagazine.com slash fast forward. Again, qsrmagazine.com slash fast forward to fill out that survey, punch in your information, and you will be entered into the drawing for the Amazon gift card at the end of the month. This would be a huge favor to us. Please go and do that and we can continue to make this podcast valuable for you. And of course, as always, go to qsrmagazine.com for all the news and insights you need on the QSR and fast casual restaurant industries and email me sam at qsrmagazine.com anytime if you want to share your perspective or if you just want to talk. Okay, going to roll now into this conversation with Mike McFall, the co-CEO of Big B Coffee, who started by talking about those early days after the coronavirus outbreak and how Big B was able to quickly pivot. 
Well, I mean, the, 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 the biggest thing we had to do was uh, we had to deal with the fear at the beginning, right? The extraordinary fear, uh, both from our franchise owner's perspective, the consumer's perspective, and so on. Safety was first and foremost. And we had we had we had a number of, uh, of franchise owners that did did close down uh, in the first couple of weeks of of the pandemic. Uh, one uh, was for staffing reasons. Uh, another was for you know some of the stores were really impacted pretty dramatically by uh, a decrease in business. And so uh, we we uh, but we instantly jumped into how to make the store safe, right? And that was the pivot. So how do you make the store safe? And so there were all kinds of amazing ideas that came out of our franchise community you know one of which which i thought was fantastic was this day they took a uh, tennis racket and a lot of the, a lot at the beginning a lot of this was how do you how do you hand somebody a drink without without touching it or how do you right. you know without touching having contact between people so they had somebody designed a tennis racket where the cup could sit inside of a uh a vessel uh, on the tennis racket and then they would hand the cup out through the drive through window and the, uh, the customer would take the cup off the tennis racket. So you know, stuff like that. And I mean, there were so many ideas like that. And I, I, I think probably the, uh, uh, one of the biggest things we walked away from in this is that when you have, you know, we have well over a hundred franchise owners and when you have that many people in crisis trying to figure out how to survive, the ideas that come out of that, are extraordinary. <laughs> I can't even yeah. tell you how many, we had so many ideas pounding from every angle about what to do, how to do it and so on. And yeah. you know, it's really actually pretty refreshing. And that's one of the powers of franchising. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like forced innovation. Um, and then when you do it with your franchisee system, I have to imagine you guys, there's, it must be some communication going on between not only you guys and the franchisees, but they must be talking with each other as well about the best practices. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I look at it like uh, they are, these are experienced people. When you become a, when you become a franchise owner, you, you came from somewhere where you had some degree of success in order to be able to build a business. And so they, they, all of them have just amazing backgrounds and they bring that experience to our table and it's Mm -hmm. really powerful. So coffee is so interesting to me because, um, of course, coffee is very much the third place, you know, and so the idea of the third place really relies upon being there and having that place. Um, I know you guys, you do have drive throughs and I assume you do a lot of takeout business, but how much did you depend on that um, on-premises, like, dine-in experience? Well, you know, it was a, it was a, a significant part of our business. There was no doubt about that. Uh, and we always uh, advocated to... Uh, building stores regardless of whether they were drive through or not. And, you know, it's been, but what we have learned through this moment again, is that the product itself, coffee is a product that people have to have. Yeah. Period. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you, you give up a lot of things. Uh, You know, we, we, um, we've told the story a a thousand times since 2008, 2009, but you know, we breezed through the great uh, recession, like it didn't even exist. Uh, and it's a coffee is a very much a recession proof product. People will give up a lot of things in their, in their day. <laughs> they'll yeah. give up the fine dining on Friday night. They'll give up a vacation in Hawaii when things get tough or, or whatever it might be. They do not give up their morning cup of coffee. Sure. So of course the big difference here between now, between this and the recession is that the experience of it has to change and oh. you can't sit down with a cup of coffee. Um, so how, how has the experience of that changed? And, and I guess something I was mentioning to you before we started on this too is, um, you know, a lot of people are working from home now. So I have to imagine that you guys had a slam from seven to 9am when people are on their way to work 
that must have changed. Tell me about the evolution of your business practices and the way people are experiencing Big B. Yeah, so I mean, we we've got a really interesting uh, curve, which shows the uh, our you know our revenue generation over last year, week over week, throughout the entire um, throughout the entire event here. And yeah, it, it went down dramatically in the first uh, the first two to three weeks of this. You know, one of the things you have to remember too is that Michigan was really hardly hit by COVID nineteen. Yeah, like it, one of the my top two or three states in the country. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, the level of fear here was extraordinary in comparison to other places. The last three weeks, we've been selling more cups of coffee than we did last year. Mm. And so, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's really truly unbelievable. Our, our revenue, our revenue is higher in 2020 than it was uh, over, over, you know, last year at the same time, same mm. comparison. But, you know, the things that we had to do, a lot of our drive, uh, a lot of our stores that had drive throughs and lobbies just closed their lobbies. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty simple solution. A lot of the lo- lobby only stores uh, did close. Uh, and so, you know, that was the biggest percentage of stores that closed was the, the lobby only stores, but they, they slowly came back on board and they just implemented all of the things that you're seeing in the world today. So plexiglass, uh, we've got the, the uh, positions on the floor where you have to stand in order to, um, to get your drink. We're all, we're all wearing face masks in the stores now. And so, you know, it's, it's, uh, we used to have self-serve coffee. The self-serve coffee is gone. Uh, and mm-hmm. so we, we, um, the, for the, for the brew coffee, you know, we serve that in a cup in hand to the customer on the counter. I have to imagine that, a lot of this is about obviously establishing that trust with customers, right? They have to trust that the experience is going to be safe. Um, how do you communicate that to them aside from just showing them in the stores, here's everything we're doing. Have you had to have some robust communication platforms, communication efforts with telling them here's exactly why you should come back to Big B? Yeah, we did all of that, right? So, so we did the, you know, the letters from, uh, from Bob and I, um, we were, we were this business is co-managed. I have a business partner, uh, Bob Fish, and so he and I put out letters uh, to the consumer. We did. We also did uh, what are called AMAs and mm. asking things. And so mm. we did those with with the consumer. Uh, and we did the other thing that we did was we the best form of communication to our consumer is through our stores. Mm. And so we had a daily town hall meeting for over five weeks. We had a daily town hall meeting where we were communicating with the uh, franchise owner every single day on all of the different things that were changing on all of the updates. There was a daily post uh, that went out to them uh, for them to review. And so, you know, um, that was, that was the, it was the, it was, that was the methodology primarily. And, and frankly, getting that information to the person working in the store is what was critical. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we, we went daily and we have, we've had uh, the town hall meetings have backed off now a little bit because uh, the pace of change isn't quite the same as it was five weeks ago. Right. Um, yeah. You also too must have really depended on loyal customers. Cause I know that, you know, talking about sales being up, um, you know, myself and my family, you know, we've been supporting our local businesses, those that we really loved before this, trying to help them through. Did you, did you have to rely on some of that loyalty and those people who are big B fans? Yeah. I mean, we, we had some really fortunate, um, circumstances occur for our brand during this time. Uh, one of which, you know, the, the fact that all the Starbucks closed really helped us. Mm-hmm. And you can't deny that. Right. Yeah, so right. the fact that Starbucks shut down, uh, was really, really, uh, powerful. We saw a lot of customers that we, that we, uh, we didn't know or we had, we didn't um, have a relationship with. And so that was great. Um, it was a, you know, kind of one of these side benefits of the whole thing is, um, 
uh, strangely. But the other mm-hmm. thing is that we provided healthcare and first responders. We provided them free coffee for throughout the entire, uh, it just ended on this past Monday. Mm-hmm. And so that was a campaign that we partnered with. Um, so, so it's a law firm here, a statewide law firm. And they, they marketed it very, very aggressively. And then we were there to accommodate. And it was really, I think it rang very, very true uh, for the customer, and uh, uh, it was 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 really a validating validating experience. Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about you know those silver linings. Um, it's it's hard to talk about it in this context because, of course, this is such a, a difficult season, and lots of people are losing their businesses and their jobs. But you know, for a, a brand like Big B, um, you're probably going to have growth opportunity coming out of this. There's going to be real estate available. I bet you you convert a lot of those Starbucks fans for the long term. Um, what, uh, do you think about ways in which the big B brand could be stronger for all of this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, so I, the, the list is long. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, we'll start with the, with the full on effort into technology. So, mm. you know, we had been playing with, um, uh, uh, touchless ordering, you know, so, so online ordering, mobile ordering, uh, we've been, we had been working on that for, you know, a year. Well, I mean, that became critical. And so, uh, that is, uh, I think we're, we're beta. Yeah. It's beta going out June 8th. Uh, and you know, had, had this not happened, I don't think we would have baited that until sometime in 2021. Right. And here right. we are mid 2020 and we've got, we're going to have uh, online ordering or, or mobile ordering uh, available. So, you know, the technology pieces have been, you know, we, we are now uh, delivering. So we're on DoorDash, uh, and, uh, We've got a few others that we're working on, uh, Grubhub and so on, that we're going to be active on that we weren't yet, uh, mm. at least formally. So mm-hmm. uh, the technology pieces have been have been uh, pretty extraordinary. Yes, I, I you know there is going to be a ton of opportunity out there for for people that want to sink in and, and invest in the business. Um, yeah, real estate is going to be different, uh, right. and you know, and and as hard as it is to say, uh, staffing is going to be different. I mean, for for as long as I can remember, staffing's been a very difficult part of the business, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think in most restaurant applications, it is. And so, uh, but as of now, um, the staffing piece is going to be is going to be uh, a much easier, uh, much easier part of, part of the business too. So, right. I think those are the those are the main things. And and we are signing franchise agreements. Uh, we're opening stores. Um, and you know, one of the things that we've had to remind ourselves uh, here is that. Um, you know, I live in Southeast Michigan, which is, you know, a suburb, uh, I live in a suburb of Detroit and Detroit was like ground zero for this thing. And so, so like, but we had to, we had to constantly be reminding ourselves that the whole country doesn't have that same mentality. And so right. we've been opening stores. We opened a store in North Carolina during this. We opened a store in Indiana during this. Uh, we've got, I think two more coming in the next two weeks that are going to be opening. And, and so, uh, yeah, we're, we're charging forward. It's, it's kind of mind, mind, mind blowing. It's a, it's a strange reality of all of this is, you know, for a while there, Detroit and New York, especially were all we heard about and it felt apocalyptic, um, certainly not to downplay what was going on there, but um, in parts of the country, you know, me in North Carolina, it, it wasn't quite that. And then it did catch up to us at, at certain points. But, um, you know, this idea of, of franchising, you know, you've got stores opening, but people also signing agreements. Do you, has this pandemic changed their minds? I mean, do they, I guess, how does it change your approach to franchising both as a franchisor and for your franchisees? What do you want out of that partnership now post COVID? Well, I, you know, one of the things that has been, been truly uh, remarkable during this time was the, 
the strength and power of the franchise community. And, you know, we can, we can tell that story, right? So, so, you know, when, when somebody's thinking about whether they should or shouldn't become part of a brand, you know, one of the considerations is when I make the investment, you know, are they going to take care of me? Is, is it going to be a place, is it going to be a safe place for me to, to operate? And, and my, and so we, when this whole thing hit, I mean, it was a full on effort by, by our team. Right. And, and, you know, I think that we're going to come out of this with a much stronger relationship with our franchise owners than we went in based on how well we performed during the crisis and how, and how hard we worked and how we were there every, you know, every single day at, at four o'clock, we had the town hall meeting and, and it was like clockwork. And we just, you know, we just kept at it. And, you know, we, our team was working seven days a week, you know, 12, 15 hour days. And, and I think the franchise owner really appreciated that. And that gets communicated to a prospective franchisee, right? That, that mm-hmm. kind of thing gets communicated. So, so um, I think our relationship, you know, and you go through these kinds of events with people and it's a bonding experience, right? <laughs> so yeah, no doubt. I would say, I, I would say our relationship to the, to the franchise owner is going to be, be much improved. I really, I believe that. Mm-hmm. And for franchisees down the road, what are they getting themselves into? I mean, you know, Franchisees are also looking for good financials. They're looking for a solid return on their investment. Coffee brands offer a pretty, you know, highly efficient business possible to do a small footprint. That must be attractive to potential franchisees now too, who might've been looking at more expensive uh, deals before this. Do you think you can kind of position Big B as being a, you know, a very affordable, efficient franchise moving forward? Yeah, and we've got, we've designed and we're building a drive-through only application. So it's modular. And so it's, it's manufactured here in Michigan. And when it's done, it's all bolted, uh, all the equipment's inside of it. You know, everything, the hand-washing stickers are in there. I mean, the thing is ready to go. Mm. It's back, put on the back, it's uh, loaded on two semi-trucks. It goes to the, uh, it goes to the site uh, that has to be prepared, of course. There's a crane there. They lift them off. They, they bolt them down. They turn the electricity on and they're serving coffee within 48 hours. Wow. And, and that is this modular drive through uh, is extraordinarily innovative. And what we've seen in the last six weeks, eight weeks is that the drive through onlys are doing substantially more revenue mm-hmm. uh, than, than even they were before uh, this. And so uh, I think that's going to be, uh, something that people are going to want to learn more about and pay attention to is the, mm-hmm. is the drive through only coffee shops. And so, and we're well positioned because we, um, we have, we have 12 of them wrapped and ready to put on the backs of, on the back of these semi trucks and ready to deliver. So mm. uh, we're, we're, we're ready to, we're ready to move forward with that concept. Drive through has been a, a saving grace for the industry. I mean, QSR yeah. really softened the blow for, for those guys. Um, I've been having a lot of talks with folks about, you know, what the future of the industry looks like and, and drive through even all the way up through, you know, the full service side of the industry. Drive through is going to be a component. It's going to be something you have to think about and certainly efficiency, smaller footprints. Um, these are the ideas that people are throwing at me as being the future of, of restaurants. What about the future of Big B? I mean, will you prioritize those kinds of units moving forward or will you just keep your, keep your options open no well yeah we're going to be prioritizing those units i there's you can't ignore uh, the the numbers are staggering and so you know some of these some of these drive-through stores the drive-through only stores and then even the drive-throughs that had had lobbies i mean they're doing they're doing they're doing so much business they can hardly keep up right now and so you can't ignore that and and you know drive-through is is really um it's it's powerful and then and then the other thing that we're that we're really looking into is it sometimes drive through isn't the most efficient way because you got to get in line 
right? And you got to sit in line behind. So one of the things that we're looking at is, is uh, numbering our spaces, our parking spaces. So, you know, one through 12 and you order, you know, you order from your phone or your, uh, from even from home. And then it, you schedule your, your delivery and we'll meet you at space 12 at 9:43, and you pull into your space at 9:42. coffee shows up, you're handed and you're gone. There's no waiting in a line of seven cars or 12 cars. Right. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that we're also developing and that doesn't take drive through zoning either. Right. And that's yeah. a huge part of this because drive throughs are hard to, hard to get built and hard to get approved. For so sure. That's one of the innovations that we're, that we're really excited about. Who would have known that the future of the industry was going to look like Sonic Drive-In? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never would have believed that five years ago. Yeah. Um, the old A&W's number those. That's right. Yeah, the drive Oh, man. I mean, it, for, for, it's, it's amazing, though, too, when you think about, like, the technology that's come up in the last, you know, four or five years that would have not enabled the industry to survive this season. You know, had this happened five, six years ago the reaction would have been insane. It was perfectly timed in some ways. Um, and, and I think the industry will be stronger as a whole for this. It'll be leaner and meaner, uh, more efficient stores, more um, you know, wise people running the restaurants. What are some of the learnings for you? What, what, what are some of the things beyond you know, the tech that you guys are getting into and, and changing the concept, even just as a leader, what, what are some ways you've changed? Oh, I, this, uh, this, this engagement we're having right here via Zoom, you know, I'd, I'd had Zoom meetings in the past, but I mean, we're, I mean, we're living on it. I'm sure you are too, right? Yep. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's pretty good. It, it works. It's not, yeah, it works. And so that's, that's, that's going to be a, a huge, huge learning. I, I think I have a lot of, of renewed um, passion and confidence in my industry, which is coffee. And then in my model, which is franchising, mm. you know, the coffee, I don't know if you ever saw that graph where they had, you know, they had the importance of suit pants, right? And it was at the beginning of the, of the um, uh, crisis, they, the importance of suit pants was really high. And then as the crisis went on, it went way down, right? <laughs> and then, you know, they had the importance of like alcohol was real, was low at the beginning of the crisis and then went up. Real high. Went up, <laughs> yeah. right? Well, coffee was, the importance of coffee was very, very high at the beginning of the crisis and got higher. Right? Yeah, and so, yeah. Uh, and, and that to me is, uh, I, I just have renewed confidence that holy cow, people have to have cups of coffee. Right. Yeah. And, and then, and then I'll tell you the strength of the franchise model was really powerful. I mean, mm-hmm. our, our owner operators came together and uh, I mean, it's been amazing to watch. Yeah. You didn't have to do it all on your own. Oh, and these people are smart, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. They yeah. really are. And they, they brought a ton of value to us and, you know, we'd be on these calls and people would be throwing out uh, suggestions or questions or comments. And it, it was that the power of that group thinking was just extraordinary. Mm. So th- those are my takeaways. I mean, it's a lot, of, it's a lot of confidence uh, in, in what we're doing. Yeah, that's good. Last question for you, Mike. Um, been asking everybody uh, in our, in our conversations, just what's bringing you hope, what's bringing you encouragement, what's one a bit of advice or encouragement you can leave listeners with? Well, resilience. I am just astonished by people's resilience. And you always knew, but I'd never lived through it really, truly, you know? And, uh, and so, you know, you, you think back in history of the, some of the harsh things that, uh, that we've gone through uh, over the last hundred years. And you think to yourself, I mean, how would, how would today's population react if we were to have a, a world war or if we were to have a pandemic flu, right? Uh, and just to see the resilience and, and the way people have been treating each other, I, I just, I'm so uh, 
I'm just, I'm really encouraged by, by that. Yeah. That's good. Mike, I appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for sharing these insights. Yeah. Thanks, Sam.